Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. We are uh, going to jump right into our message today. Uh, week number four in this sermon series I called Identified, Identified. And it was kind of a play on uh, where we're at as a culture. You know, we, we're in the middle of... of a month where pride is celebrated and I is, is kind of the center of it. Here's what I am. Here's what I want you to see me as. And I said, as a Christian, you know, our goal and, and really what the Bible teaches us is we don't get to say what we are. Other people should see what we are. They, they should be able to see Jesus in our lives. Other people should be able to identify that in us. So that's kind of been the goal. Like, let's remember, the Bible says we're going to go into the world. We're going to be witnesses for Christ. And I said a few weeks ago, a lot of us, we don't understand that we oftentimes lose that witness, that testimony, without even understanding it and knowing it. And so we've been working through a passage in Scripture, uh, and I've explained kind of the context of it the, of the last few weeks in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the Bible calls it the love chapter. But really what Paul's doing is he's speaking to a church, a lot like the American church, in a culture, a lot like the American culture, saying, you guys got you know, great, great services, you speak in tongues of men and angels, you got, you got great buildings or facilities, whatever he's speaking to in the context and the culture. But he wants to remind him, if you don't have love, none of this makes sense to a world that needs Jesus. And so he begins to go through some, a list of things. He says, love is, you remember what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, he says. If you want to look like Jesus in our culture, you need to be patient. Love is, last week, kind. I like to sometimes take you know, that out and put my name in there. Steve is patient, right? <laughs> remind myself, Steve should be, because I'm in Christ and Christ is love. I should be kind. Let me, let, me, let me show you number three, because this one I think Christians, we just, we just kind of live with this, and it's just expected this is how we're going to be. But the Bible reminds us that love does not, number three, does not envy. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. If you want to look like Jesus to this world, what does it say? It does not envy. Remember the good old days? Like years ago, like many moons ago, where people were just happy for each other. The good old days. Like somebody got a new house and everybody was, all their friends were happy for them. And somebody put the in-ground pool in and everybody was excited about their accomplishment. Or somebody's kid was valid, Victorian, and everybody else celebrated them. You know what I'm talking about? And like the good old days when people were just, right, you guys remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, because it never existed. That has never, ever happened in the history. I mean, the very beginning of mankind, the pro one of the greatest problems is envy, Cain and Abel. Cain does not like Abel, what Abel's doing in his, in his offering to the Lord, and he is envious of him. And here's the problem, that, that spirit of envy has run rampant through our lives since the beginning. And most of us don't even see it. Someone said this, they said, envy is the sin that nobody talks about and nobody likes to admit they struggle with. Let's just, let's just talk about it. Anybody in here ever look at somebody and say, man, I wish I had your job? Anybody got any teacher friends? School just got over? I wish I had your job now. I don't want your job for the nine months during school. 
but I wish I had your job now. Maybe you've never said, I wish I had your job someday, but I bet you said, wish I had the salary. Wish I made that money. Wish I was a professional athlete and I got paid $700,000 to play three minutes. You ever walk into somebody's house and think to yourself, I wish I had this house. Maybe you've looked at somebody's kids before. I wish I had their kids. Wish their, my kids did this. I wish my kids accomplished that. I wish my wife or my husband looked like that. I wish my car didn't have 200,000 miles. I wish I had that car. I wish I had a beach house. I remember years ago I was talking about envy, very similar kind of topic, and you don't talk about envy a lot in church because it doesn't seem like it's one of those sins that we often discuss and you know, most people struggle. It's like gossip. Like we, you, know, you can talk about it every week and somebody thinks you're not talking about them, right? And so, so you talk about envy. Like we, we talk about envy. Everybody else has an envy problem. But I remember years ago, uh, me and, and Lincoln were watching a show on HGTV. HGTV uh, should have the word envy in the, the title. And so, uh, and I, we were watching something and I remember Lincoln said, out loud, he said, I wish I had that house. And I said, I wish I did too. And what was funny is yesterday we were away all, all, all day at a b little baseball tournament in New Jersey. And uh, my two older boys didn't go. And we came home and, you know, we were getting ready for, for, for church and kind of, you know, getting stuff situated. And he was out in the family room and on TV. He had HGTV on. I said, what do you watch? He said, HGTV, which we don't really watch any, any, anymore. And he had it on. And, and he left. And I went and sat down when he left. And it was a show about uh, uh, beach houses, but not beach houses, lake houses. I was like, uh, you know, something that I would be like, well, whatever. I don't want a lake house. And I found myself, by the end of the thing, going online and going, how much is a Poconos <laughs> lake house? I think I can say swing that, right? Because I wish I, like, I... The views and like the, you know, the, 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 the water and they had a trampoline on the water. And I was just thinking to myself, I wish I, wish I had that. And envy is something we, we all sh struggle with. Oftentimes we struggle with it and we don't even like to talk about it. But I want to show you what scripture says in Galatians 5. It's, it's very interesting because we often don't lump envy in or jealousy in with other big sins. Like we'll be like, we, we know the big sins. Like watch what it says in Galatians 5. It says the acts of the flesh. So when you're, when you're living in sin, you're living in, in the flesh. The Bible says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Watch what he says. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft. Like we, we, we get that, right? Like hatred, eh, you know, okay. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, drunkenness. Watch what he says. And orgies. We all know that's probably not okay, right? But right in the middle of factions, drunkenness, and orgy, do you see what he says? Envy. Envy. The spirit of jealousy in your life. Watch what he says. As you read this, he says, and I warn you as I did before that those who live like this list, these things in our lives, that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. It looks nothing like Jesus. It looks not. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. What's envy? Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives while ignoring his goodness in my own. I heard that years ago in a sermon and it just stuck with me. Envy is looking at somebody else's life and resenting the goodness that God has brought to them all the while ignoring the goodness of God 
in my own life. You see this in scripture, one of the greatest examples of this. I love the book of Esther. I love how it works out. If you ever read the, the, the book of Esther, it's like a movie, right? Like this woman wins this beauty pageant. She becomes queen out of all these other people. God positions her so he can, he, you know, she can be kind of the savior of, of, of the people. And there's, there's a guy named Mordecai, which is her relative. And there's a king, right? The prince. And he, you know, makes, makes her his wife. And, 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 and then you have this guy named Haman. It's a classic Hollywood story because Haman just sounds like a jerk. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody names their kid Haman, right? And so like just, Haman is just a bad guy in the story. And I love this interaction between Haman and his friends because it just looks like us. The Bible says this in, in Esther chapter 5. He said, he called together his friends and his wife and he boasted to them in verse number 11 about his wealth and his sons and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above all the other nobles and officials. He had a, he had a social media feed filled with his accomplishments. Look, filled with it. Pictures of his sons graduating and his wealth and his cars and his house and he's taking pictures. You know the pictures you take with the celebrities where you're with them and you point at them? He's taking pictures with the king and he's there and he's bragging about all of these things to everybody else. He says, and that's not all. I'm the only person that Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. All these good things are happening in my life. But watch what he says. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. I got all this stuff, but I look over and I see this one person that I have a problem with, that I envy, that I think is ridiculous, and I forget all about these good things that are happening in my life. What's, resenting, what's, what's envy? Resenting the goodness of God in other people's lives, all the while missing the goodness of God in your own lives. And here's what the Bible says in James 3. For, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. You don't figure out envy, everything else gets messed up. In fact, I, I, I began to think about what envy ruins, and I started thinking about my own life. First thing envy ruins is envy destroys relationships. Envy destroys relationships. It is impossible to be friends with people that you envy. It is impossible to be a friend, period, when you struggle with envy. Somebody gets something better than you. What do you do? Tear them down. They only got that because they cheated. They got that because of politics. They got that because of mommy and daddy. They got that because of a hand up. They got that because of their, their lucky. You know, all these things. They, they got this because of that. You'll even go celebrate them. You'll go to their house and you'll celebrate at their party. You'll get in your car and you will rip apart whatever you just celebrated because you know deep down inside you have a problem with envy. One person said this to me one time. They said, envy is a form of hatred built on my own insecurities. That's what it is. Let's just call it what it is. They're not the problem, right? You have the problem. Envy is a form of hatred of other people built on my own insecurities in my life. Envy destroys relationships. Another thing it does, it damages life. Envy damages life. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. What if your physical problems were envy problems? What if that was actually true? Like, what if, what if your problems, your sickness, your constant stress that you have, your constant not, you know, comparing with everybody else, your, your constant struggle with envy really was destroying your own life phys physically? And here's the problem with so many of us. We're, we're feeding this, this thing called envy in our lives, and we don't even know it. 
You've created an atmosphere that's susceptible to the envy bug. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like I, 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 I told you weeks ago, I'm a lawn person, and I'm very into we, why weeds grow. Weeds grow where, 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 where they have an atmosphere that's been created that makes it susceptible to weeds. So what do you got to do? You got to create an atmosphere where weeds do not feel at home. If you're, it's, same thing is true. If you struggle with envy, the, the problem is some of you have created an atmosphere in your life that's susceptible to this bug of envy in your life. Let me just give you a few thoughts. First, first way you feed envy in your life without even knowing it, first thing is this, is comparing. Comparing. How many of you were born into this world, came out of the womb, looked in the mirror and said, man, I, I, my nose is too big, my eyes are too far apart, my ears stick out too much, my body's not good enough, you know, my, my hair is the wrong color, you know, I got this wrong. Anybody do that when they were born? You were taught that in your life. You, you were taught, listen, you're not good enough, and here's how you know you're not good enough, because you're not as good as that person. You don't look as good as that person. You don't have enough money, or much money as that person. You haven't accomplished as much as that person. Your kids aren't as far along as that person. Your house, how do you know your house isn't big enough? Because you, you've compared it to somebody else's house who was what? Bigger than you. Like everything, how, how do you know? You walk out to your car, my car sucks. How do you know your car sucks? Well, it broke down six times. Okay, your car sucks, right? And so... But some of you, the only reason you think your car is not good is you look over and you go, man, that's a good car. That's a good car. That's the right look. That's the right way to do things. And we, we struggle with the trap of comparison in our lives. In fact, all of the people who sell you things know that you struggle with comparison. Every, every company in the world knows that we are discontent oftentimes because we struggle with comparison. So what do they do? They put somebody who looks better than you, who's smiling more, who's enjoying life, and they say, if you would just have what they have in this picture or this advertisement or this video, or they would, you would just have that, then you would, be, you would be happy. And so what do you do? You just compare. Okay, I don't have the right phone. I don't have the right look. I don't have the right this. We struggle with comparison, comparison feeds envy. In fact, uh, one of the greatest examples in Scripture is in the story of a man named Saul in Scripture. And uh, one of the re ways I found that is the greatest antidote for not envying is constantly being aware that what you have is from God. So Saul is the king of the Jews. He's the first king of the Jews. But the only reason he's the king of the Jews is because God picked him. But like many of us, he began to forget that God put him there. And so he began to hold on to it, to look at it. And what happened is he began to disobey God. And when he began to disobey God, God said, okay, you can't be king anymore because the only reason you're king is because I put you there. Which, which is a great, listen, great reminder in your life. The only reason you're where you're at is because God put you there. Amen? Like God, God gave you the talent that you have. He gave you the ability that you have. He gave you the lungs that you, the lung, the breath that you have in your lungs. He, he gave you everything. Everything. As soon as you forget that he gave you that, you, you're, you're going away from the Lord. And so he should have remembered. But God says, I can't use you anymore because you forgot that I put you there. So he goes and he picks his replacement, a young boy named David in a field. Nobody saw much potential in him. And he picks him. We read the story. He's anointed by God. But he doesn't become king right away. In fact, nobody even knows who he is until he shows up on the scene uh, with, with this battle with this giant named Goliath. You can read about it in the book of Samuel. And he fights Goliath and he kills Goliath with a stone and Instantly, he becomes pretty well known. 
He goes on to become quite the warrior. He's going to be king, but he's, he's right now he's attending to the dreams and the kingdom of Saul, and he becomes a warrior. And people began to know him and celebrate him, and he begins to get famous. And as his fame grows, Saul begins to compare himself to David. And at this one point in Scripture where I think his jealousy raged, he, he began to hear them say this statement. Uh, David, he, he's killed 10,000. Saul's killed 1,000. And the Bible says in this, this moment that his heart begins to shift towards David where he begins to hate him because that's what comparing ultimately does through envy is it causes discord and distance and hatred. And I just love that example because I think so many times in our lives we miss this. We feed envy through comparing ourselves to other people. Here's my question. With whom or what do you most often compare yourself? With whom or what are you most often? I'm a pastor, so I compare myself to the people who do what I do for a living. Do I measure up? Is my auditorium okay? Is my church okay? Am I far enough along? Uh, did I preach too long? Did I preach too short? Don't answer that. Did I preach too short? Is our technology up to date? Is our kids' ministry right? Is our staff right? How am I doing? How much time should I take off? This and that. And you're just constantly comparing to, to other people. With whom or what are you constantly comparing yourself to? You see, comparison is the enemy's way of telling you that God is cheating you. If God was good to you, he would give you what they have. He would open up the doors that they had opened up. He would bring the person into your life that he brought into their life. If God was for you, envy is being fed in your life through comparison. Let me just give you a few more thoughts. The second way we feed envy is through competing. Now, I'm, I'm, I am probably as competitive of a person that you have ever met. I will turn anything into a competition. Anything. We used to be in Limerick, and we used to have this shed with this one window in the shed. It was an old shed down from the, about 100 yards from the building. And every time we went outside, we had a competition to see who could throw a rock to hit that window in the shed. It took me seven years to do it, right? And when I did it, nobody was watching. And so, so then I blamed somebody else for doing it, right? But there was a competition level there. And here, here's the thing about it. Because we're so competitive of people... We can forget in our walk, right? There's, there's a time for competition with sports and things like that. But when it comes to your spiritual life, to who you are in Christ, to his plans, his purposes, his direction for your life, you understand you're one of one, right? You don't know that? If you don't know that you're one of one, you will struggle the rest of your life with envy. If you don't realize that in all of the history of the world, all the time, and all the people, you're never going to be replicated. There's never going to be somebody just like you at this time in history that has your same DNA, that has your same purpose, that God has put on this planet to, to do a, a certain thing. Like, we don't know what it is, and I can't tell you, but there's not another you. And what happens, because we don't understand that theologically or biblically, is we begin to say, well, no, no, I'm not one of one. I'm one of many, and I need to compete with everybody else to, to get ahead of them. And when you compete with other people, you feed the ugly monster of envy and jealousy. In fact, watch what Solomon says. He's the wisest man that ever lived. In Ecclesiastes 4, he says, and I saw that all the toil and all the achievement spring from one person's envy of, of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He says, here's what's so sad about life. Everything we do is about competing with somebody else. 
everything we do. Everything is about hope. Did I beat them? Did I get them? Do I have more money than them? Did I buy that car? Are they impressed by that? If I post this, did they like it? Did they see it? I wonder if my enemy's enemy saw this. I wonder if they see how good that, that I'm doing. And what are we doing the whole time? We are feeding the monster of envy in, in, in our lives. Here's how you know you struggle with competing with other people. When you're close to somebody in your life, and all of a sudden, they get the promotion, they get the job, they get the accomplishment that you've sought out so much in your life. They, they get that. I hope somebody's not dying. And so they get that. And, 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 and they get it, and you're not happy for them. You can't even look at them. Like, you can't go to the party. You can't celebrate. You can't talk to them. You talk about them. You know you struggle with the monster of competing with other, other people. If you continually compete with others, guess what happens to you? You become a bitter person. I didn't say you shouldn't compete with yourself. You should continue to want to get better and become who God has called you to be. But you got to stay in your lane. That's why I remind myself of Hebrews chapter 12 oftentimes. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run our race with perseverance, the race that's been marked out for who? For us. There's a race that's been marked out. For me, I absolutely hate running. I'm just letting you know, I hate, when people tell me they finished a 5K, I'm like, great for you, right? But I get it spiritually because when you race, you're just in a race with yourself. I never met somebody that won something, right? You're not like, I won the five, you know, the, the, the half mar Philly marathon. Or I never met somebody like that. They're always like, I finished it in record time. Who would you beat? Yourself. And at first you're like, okay, okay that's great, right? Like, but then you think to yourself, that's a spiritual principle, you're in a race with yourself. You're not in a race with other people. And so remember that. You're running the race. Stay in your lane. And the last thing is this. I found myself feeding the monster of envy through complaining. Oh, man, I've done a lot of complaining during this last year of being an American. I'm a professional complainer. Anybody else? I can find something to complain about every day. It rained today. I'm going to complain. It was hot yesterday. I had to get gas in both of my cars yesterday. It was bad. I went to get coffee and wobble when I got gas, and it was out. Complain. Walls are dirty. Everything is just complaining. And what I found in my life is envy in my life. Oftentimes what I feed it with is complaining. Complaining. Like, why aren't you doing this for me? Why didn't you accomplish that in my life? Why didn't you open up that door? See, oftentimes complaining because of envy leads me to only focus on the negative. All these negative things in my life. What I wrote in my notes, I think is true. I said, an envious heart is often birthed from discontent or filled with discontent. Discontent leads me to a deep distrust of God and distrust of God is the ultimate stealer of my joy which is the greatest gift from God joy not happiness listen not one of us is happy when we're pumping in five dollar gas joy says in the midst of it I'm okay in the midst of it, I serve a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. I serve a God who is faithful. I, I, I serve a God who is good. I serve a God who is in control. Remember in 2020 when we leaned into that and we were like, he's in control. 
He's in control. He's in control. He's in control. And you, you saw the church. You're like, yes, he's in control. We're coming to church. It's only been two years. So you're like, I can't take anymore. I don't know if he's in control, right? You got to remind yourself, he's good. He's not going to let me down. He's not going to fail me. He's good. He's not going to let me down. He's not going to fail me. If he did it before, he'll, he'll, he'll do it again. And I'm not going to feed the monster of envy. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to compete with other people. I'm not going to compare my life. So here, here's what I started thinking. Okay, what's the answer? Because the Bible then clearly says, watch what it says. It says in, in 1 Peter 2, rid yourselves. Watch what it says. Rid yourselves then of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, Envy and slander of every kind. So it's real clear. Don't fill yourself with envy. Rid yourself of it. So here's what I found in my life. Here's how I rid myself of an envious spirit, of a spirit of complaining, of a spirit of discontent, of a spirit of competing, of a spirit of comparing. You ready? I rid myself of the spirit of envy through a spirit of celebration. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you two things. First thing, celebrate the goodness of God in your own life. Can, I, can, we just, can we just think about that for a second? He wake you up today? Why did he wake you up? Let's be honest. You brought absolutely nothing to the table yesterday. We, we, being right? All you did is wine all day yesterday. If he would have stopped your lungs yesterday, the world was losing nothing. Come on now. Let's just be real. You were just thinking about yourself. You were just whining about your own problems. You were, you were whining as you were eating a meal. You were just whining. Like if he would have stopped your heart and you were real, you'd be like, it, it was pride for the better, right? But somehow he got you through, and guess what he did today? He woke you up today because his mercies are new every morning. Is he good to you? He's good to you. You got in a car and you turned it on today and it drove you here. He's good to you. Some of you have enough money in your pocket after you filled your tank up to stop and get, and get coffee or, 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 a, or a breakfast sandwich at Wawa or wherever you went today. Some of you going to brunch after this. Brunch is from heaven. Amen. I ain't been to brunch since 2002 because I'm never out of church in time, right? Brunch, right? Some of you going to brunch. God is good to you. Some of your kids graduated from a, from a grade this week and you watch them walk across a platform and you, you're making it. He's good. And you just celebrate. Man, I don't, we don't do enough. That's what, that's what worship is, by the way. Praise and worship, it's celebration. Some of you don't act like it. It's celebration. I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God. And here's another thing you're going to do that, that has always helped me with envy. I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God and I'm going to celebrate the success of others. <laughs> that's hard. But if you want to rid yourself of envy, you're going to celebrate the success of others. I noticed this months ago. We were doing the story of Joseph. And I, I absolutely, of all the stories in the Bible, I love preaching through Joseph. It is like, there's just so many messages in there. And uh, I was reading through the, the story of Joseph in Genesis and in my quiet time and writing some notes down and taking our church to some different things. And I had this one, this one moment in my quiet time where I landed in this part of the story of Joseph that I didn't actually ever get to preach on, but I talked to the staff about it. And it's this part where he gets thrown into prison again. And uh, the Bible tells us that the cupbearer and, 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 and uh, let me just get this right, and the baker that worked for the Pharaoh were getting thrown in prison while he was in prison. So he was already in prison, and they got thrown in prison after him. And the Bible says that the ruler of the prison puts him in charge of taking care of the cupbearer and the baker. And then it says this, and he asked them to attend to their needs. Right? No, the dream was all the same. When you get put in prison, what's your dream? You got to get out. 
Joseph was in there longer than them. So he needed to get out, right? Because he, he, it's not fair. Like he's going to compare. He's going to compete. Okay, we need to position ourselves and open that door. You know, it's kind of like going to the SPCA. I want to make sure he sees me first and takes me out. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm going to position myself in front of them. But then the guard tells me, attend to them. And I just spoke to our staff. I said, sometimes as you're pursuing the dreams of God, he's going to ask you to attend to somebody else's dream and not even worry about yours. And I'm just telling you, something happens. Something's happened in our church when we've stopped focusing only on what we're doing. And we said we're going to give money away or we're going to give time away. Or you stop spending so much time looking at what everybody else has. Because when you begin to op- live your, your life with an open hand, guess what you get to live under? An open, open heaven, right? And the ideas you have that you give away, they're not your best ideas. And the money that you give away to other people, it's not your best money. Because you serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You serve a God that has you know, endless wisdom and endless ability in your life. And all of a sudden... You're celebrating the goodness of God, and you're celebrating the success of somebody else. Some of you, somebody's texted you over the last few days and tried to text you about an accomplishment, and you've just ghosted them. You're just miserable with life right now. You're like, I'm not texting. They're just going to tell me about what their kid did or what they did, and I'm so sick of them bragging. And I, no, no. Hey, can I take you out to brunch today? I would love to hear about the success in your life. I'll pay for you. Some of you have been invited to a baby shower. You haven't had a baby yet. You've been trying to have a baby. You've been practicing. You've been practicing and stressed out and you're not getting pregnant and your best friend got pregnant. You know what I'm talking about? Or you've been trying to get married and your best friend, they just started dating like a week ago, right? And you've been dating, you've been waiting for years and they got engaged and they just invited you to be their maid of honor. They invited you to the shower. You're like, I'm not going. Oh, no, no. You're going to go and you're going to attend to their dreams. You're going to show up. You're going to help them set things up. You're going to help them play the stupid games they play at showers that nobody knows what I'm talking about. You're going to celebrate them. Why? Because that cancels out envy in your life and envy is toxic to your soul. Celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate the success of other people. Would you stand to your feet all over our houses and would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I love, I love what it says, the promise of, uh, of Proverbs 14. What does it say? It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Envy rots the bones. Heart of peace. The Bible says contentment. Godliness with, it, with contentment. I, I don't know how Paul got there sometimes. How did you get contentment? You're in prison and beat. You saw the world pass you by. Everybody else was getting what they wanted. They were living life, and you're in prison. He says, no, no, I figured out the answer to life. Godliness, living for God, with contentment, staying in my own lane, leads to gain, leads to blessing, leads to peace. Come on, be honest with you. You struggle with envy? Nothing looks less like Jesus than envy. Nothing looks less like Jesus. Nothing looks more like Jesus than joy and peace and love and security and the ability to celebrate somebody else. Maybe, maybe some of you are like, I just don't know how to get to there. Well, just right there where you're sitting. Why don't you just begin to thank God for everything he's done in your life this week? Just thank him. Some of you are so oblivious. You're like, I don't even know what to say. You are oblivious. You can live in blessing and miss it. You ever have kids? The more you bless them, it's like the more oblivious they get. So every once in a while, you got to remind them. I'm just reminding you. You got breath in your lungs. You got a heart in your chest beating right now. You got the ability to have a career. You got a spouse. 
you have some kids, you drove here in a car, you have the ability to get a coffee on your way home, you got friends, you got parents, you got grandparents, you got blessings on top of blessings on top of blessings. Why don't you lean into the goodness of God and just begin to tell him. Some of you, you don't even know how to talk to God because you haven't done it for so long. It's like talking to a friend. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. I thank you, Lord, that we can stay in our own lane. We can fix our attention on you. That you're good. That we can rid ourselves of envy. We understand what envy is. It's an over-awareness of the goodness of other people. Almost an anger, a resentment of all the good things you've brought to them. And an under-awareness of all the good things you've done for us. So Lord, we're going to rejoice in you. We're going to be glad in you. So the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for continuing to be good to us. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God of peace, a God of joy, that you guide us and direct us. God, thank you for the doors that you open and the doors that you close. Thank you for bringing the right people into my life and taking the wrong people out. Thank you for everything that you've done. Without you, we're nothing. And as we stay in that mindset of prayer, maybe you don't know him today. Man, you just live in a, a world of comparison and competing and complaining and looking around. And I, I just need you to understand. Until you take your eyes off of everyone else and you put your eyes on Jesus, you'll be in this, this race of life that never ends. Constantly feeling inadequate. Constantly feeling a lack of peace and joy constantly struggling constantly being angry constantly feeling forgotten all the things we struggle with as people there's a good God and he loves you more than you can imagine the Bible says that God loved us so much loved the world so much that he sent his only son Jesus Christ to die on a cross that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life there's this God that loves you more than you can imagine, that made you, formed you, thought about you, has a purpose and plan for you. And the beginning of peace is a, is a trust in Him. An understanding that He made me, He created me, He has a purpose for me, He loves me. He loved me so much that He sacrificed His life for me. So I'm going to stop trying to be the boss of my life. I'm going to stop trying to be in charge. I'm going to stop trying to figure things out on my own. Because it's led me nowhere. And instead I'm going to give my life fully to Jesus Christ. And as I'm speaking right now, maybe as I'm talking, my words are hitting home in your life. I'm not going to live life like this anymore. I try to be my own boss. I try to make sense of my own life. I'm doing a bad job of it. Today I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want him to be the Lord and Savior of everything that I am. If you're here right now, if you're in Montgomeryville, if you're watching online, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he would come into our lives, he would heal us, and he would make us whole. So come on, no, with nobody looking around in this moment, if, if I'm speaking to you right now and you say, hey, that, that's me, I'm struggling, I, I, like you said, and I'm tired of trying to carry the weight of this world on my shoulders, I want to give my life to Christ today. 
If that's you in here in Montgomeryville and you would say, hey, that's me, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, I'm speaking to you right now. If you're in Montgomeryville, maybe you would say, hey, that, that's me, that's me, you're speaking to me right now. If you're watching online, you're joining us through our, our moderator, maybe you would just type in, the, in, the, in the, the chat there, hey, he's speaking to me right now. Like, that, that's me, I need Jesus to come into my life. And as we're allowing people to, time to respond, I just want to continue to pray. Let's begin to thank the Lord for moving. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we can trust you with our entire lives. There's nothing that brings more peace and more joy than knowing the one who's in control. Lord, thank you, Father, that you, you set our feet on a solid rock, the Bible says. That when the storms come in our lives, that our foundation will be firm. Well, thank you, Father, for reaching and changing people today. Thank you, Lord, for opening up their, their eyes and allowing your word to permeate their mind, Lord, so that they can have a relationship with you. That's all they're doing. They're saying yes to you. Jesus, I need a relationship with you. I don't want to live life one more second without you. Well, as they made that, 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 that faith-filled proclamation, Lord, you come in and you begin to do the work that only you could do. You heal and you make whole. And Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, I, I just, let, we just, we ask Lord, that you would just create an atmosphere where we are fully aware of the blessings, the goodness, the grace that you've brought to us. Lord, when we leave this place, we're just going to continue to think about how good you are, how much you've given us, how many opportunities you've, 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 you've brought to us, Lord, how many doors you've opened up, Lord, the talent that you've filled our life with, Lord, the accomplishments that you walked us through, Lord. And as we do that, we're going to give you due glory and due honor. The more that we thank you, Lord, the less we envy other people because we realize that we're in our own race. And Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful, Lord, as you continue to move in this church, that when we leave this place, that we, we remember as a church that we don't leave church. It's not over, Lord, that the church is about to leave this building. And that we're about to go and love our world and serve our world and see our world the way you see them, Lord. And we're thankful for every opportunity that you give us, Lord. We are fully engaged in your mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, one more time. Let's shout amen together. Let's clap together all over our houses. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.